Scott, the Office Podcast. Um, Jay Ray, with me is my deskmate Jacob. What's up? Hey, I'm here, and that's about it. I'm functional-ish. Uh, for those of you watching at home, you'll see that uh, Jacob's in a very fancy studio. He's got some nice black wrinkled curtains behind him. We've got the Broken Jars logo sticking up there. Um, that's real. That's a set. Yeah, <laughs> I did the best I could with what I had. Yeah. Um, so, as always, we are a member of the Broken Jars Broadcasting Network, so check out all of our other shows on brokenjars.xyz. And uh, if you are a fan of Jacob, myself, any number of people on the network, visit uh, patreon.com slash brokenjars and give Jacob money. Oh, give us money, <laughs> Jay Ray. It's not my money. It's true, but uh, you recall when I signed on to do this show, I signed that contract, so I didn't read the fine print, so <clears throat> so send us money, otherwise I have to do it, and that's terrible. Uh, no, it's great. Patreon's been going really well, and, um, you know, we are, we're, you know, just allowing us to make the network a little bit better and give us some, um, you know, a little bit of elbow room, you know, back, yep. back in uh the old gym days, you're supposed to be elbow width apart from people or whatever. It's great. So we're sitting over here doing some financial aerobics and it feels a little bit nice, you know? <laughs> yeah, something like that, man. I don't know. Yeah. Um, this week we are talking about The Office. As we are every week. That's right. One one episode rain we were just gonna talk about like Parks and Rec or Firefly or something. <laughs> Just like jump right into it with the same intro and all that without saying anything. <laughs> we'll be good. So we got some uh, some episodes here for you, and we'll just jump right into it. Um, our first episode is Crime Aid. Uh, it's the fifth episode of season five, written by Charlie Grandy and directed by Jen Salata. Right, yeah. Uh, so this, this one starts out with... Um, Michael being able to call Pam in New York because she's run out of money because New York is very expensive, which I'm pretty sure is very true. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, he's, he's just like calling her all the time. It's very reminiscent of when he uh, had Ryan's cell phone number. It was calling him all the time. Right. Right. Um, no, uh, no prank calls, though. No. This is Mike Tyson, <laughs> which I can't do. That's Michael Scott is a great Mike Tyson impersonator. So I do him a disservice by even attempting. Right. So what, like my only thought was, is why did she, there's obviously caller ID. Like why did she keep taking these calls? Well, it's, it's the corporate line, right? Right. It, so that was my only thought is maybe there's a one number coming out of 
out of the you know bridge or whatever right, right. So, so Scranton office it could be Jim or it could be Michael but they, yeah could be Dwight or Kevin sure. <laughs> yeah I mean I don't know specifically where she works like she seems to be in the um I don't know like office administrative area so there's a bunch of people that does what she does um so everybody's kind of um Fielding phone calls, I guess, like it's their um, switcher board area. You know, I imagine they're kind of being the first line of defense against a lot of emails, too. Yeah, probably. Yeah, they never say what she does. It's just that she does. Like a whole line of receptionists. Although we know from different episodes that there is like a receptionist in that lobby area. Right, right. Uh, It might be like customer service, you know. You know, that's probably what it is, just customer service job. Right. Um, yeah, so, I mean, if I was fortunate enough to leave working for Michael Scott for a stretch to hang out in the city, I would not want him calling me every five minutes or as often as he does. Um, let's see. So we got that going. And then, uh, Michael and Holly, who, uh, at this point have gone on two dates. Right. Yeah, so you'll recall at the end of last episode after Jan leaves that Michael and Holly share this really weird hug and uh, that amount that leads into want to go out? Yeah. Yes. And so this this will be their third date, which is the sexy time date apparently. Yeah, also not awkward at all in how it was presented. (laughs) Yeah, Mike's just like, hey, do you think we're going to have sex tonight? She's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so they end up playing Crazy Eights. Yeah, the, Crazy uh, Eight. Yeah, well, I assume so room. anyway. Yeah, right, because of <laughs> we're crazy. You're crazy. Why um, did, why did, I don't, I'm still trying to figure out why they waited. Like, why were they waiting right. around in the office? Or was it Holly's plan all along to like, do it in the stairwell. Well, I would say that it probably wasn't her intention when he awkwardly said it earlier in the day. But um, maybe she thought of it later, or maybe she thought of it while they were waiting. But that's a good point. I was just going to ask why were they waiting in the conference room? Because clearly everybody had left. All the lights are off in the office except for the conference room. Right. And we, but see the thing, they're in the stairwell. So we, like they had to wait for everybody to leave, but before the cleaning crew gets there, right? Mm. Which, right. depending on who you, which episode you take the most salt in, it's either like at like eight o'clock at night or like midnight, one of the two. Right. Because in the the episode where Toby announces he's going to Costa Rica, is that the deposition? Oh, he announces he's going to Costa Rica. Right. Night out. Night Night out. out. Right, right, right. You know, they don't show up until real late, but in the St. Patrick's Day episode in season seven, when um, uh, the Sabre CEO, uh, Joe Bennett is there, they show up at like 8.30, 9 o'clock at night or earlier. So who knows? Well, I mean, presumably, if we're just going to take wild guesses because they don't provide information because they probably didn't care, um, it's possible that Sabre started new contracts with different cleaning companies. This is true. This is true. <clears throat> or maybe, so well, be... 
Well, actually, it's probably not Saber because Dwight buys the building. So it's probably Dwight who mm -hmm. got a new contract. There you go. And we also yeah. learn, so they have to wait for everyone to clear the building, right? Because yeah. it would be really awkward to do that. Well, that's awkward. I mean, it's just awkward all the way around, right? Well, I wonder if maybe, too, they were trying to keep it, like, a secret. Maybe. Like they both worked late so that no one else knew that they were dating. Oh, yeah, but they had that whole, you know, I'm taking you out. No, I can't because I'm going out with you bit right there in the middle of the office. They they didn't. That's true. And we also learned that at least it got, I mean, obviously got pretty amorous, but like in the episode where Michael proposes, he's like, remember what we did here and what I tried here, like two yeah. steps up. So it's like, we know things got like really kind of crazy in the stairwell. Well, that's the other thing I wonder, too. I mean, so obviously, Michael has done some crazy stuff, right? Because of Jan. Well, and also, um, Carol. Like, Well, Car that's his phrasing, though. Right, right. So part of me wonders, like, what is actually crazy for him or not, you know? Yeah, he's probably, poor little guy, has probably been, like, mentally destroyed. <laughs> yeah, so I mean... Normal things could be crazy for him, but he's definitely done some crazy stuff. He's at least worn a dress. He's definitely been videotaped. Well, the question, well, it, at least in um, the episode where he proposes, you got the the feeling that Holly did not like whatever he tried to do. Right. But not, um, not like offended, though. Right, right. It's just like, just like not for me. Yeah, you know, sp spook the pony a little bit. Right. Moving on. <laughs> so so they wait, they're playing Crazy Eights, and eventually they decide to leave. Um, on their way out in the parking lot, Holly says, hey, I forgot my keys or something like that, and they make their way in. And, um, you know, as they go back into the building, Holly locks that front door. Now, from that shot, and really the positions of the film crew is probably the worst thing to, like, try to think about in terms of continuity because it doesn't matter. But I think we had both a film crew in the parking lot and a film crew outside of the fence. If, if I, if I'm recalling those shots correctly, because one of those is a really tight zoom in, but you see like fuzzed out chain link fence. But, uh, so she locks out both film crews. They take the stairwell and then, um, they start macking it. And, uh, Michael Scott with his, ever-evolving knowledge of technology <laughs> turns the volume or the input into his microphone way, way up. He's saying, like, now no one can hear us. <laughs> it's so funny. I always got the impression he did that on purpose. Like, he... In... Oh, no, 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 Jacob. No, Michael. <laughs> he don't know nothing. No, see, <laughs> I, I disagree. I think he he totally meant to turn it up so everyone would know that he was getting some. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're giving him too much credit. I might not be giving him enough. Maybe there's a middle ground somewhere, but I think um, I think because he knew Holly wanted to keep it secret, he was trying to be secretive about it properly. I mean, because also too, he does flat out say it like the following day in the Talking Head, right? Like that they did it right twice, if I recall. <laughs> 
Um, but so they bang, microphone issues happen. Um, we don't meet everybody again until the following morning where Michael and Holly are coming in together. Right. Um, only to discover that the office has been like ransacked, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's drawers, a jar, there's many a paper toppled, there's disgruntled faces, there's a missing laptop. Yep. There, the, the most grievous of things is a missing surge protector. He will be vulnerable to surges. <laughs> Uh, which is terrible. I love that. Uh, <clears throat> and I love how Dwight's like, motive seems financial or vintage HP computer collectors, like getting into like how just old these, <laughs> these computers are. Uh, so then Holly kind of snaps to putting all the context clues together here and, um, you know, pulls Michael into his office and is like, hey, I think we did this. Um, revealing that they may not have locked the office when they were done diddling, so to speak. Well, that might be true, but again, you would have to figure the cleaning crew had, it would have been the cleaning crew, right? Well, let me ask this. Does the film, does the cleaning crew come every day? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. For example, so we have folks who vacuum my office and they don't do it every day. It's like an every other, every two, every three day kind of thing. I don't know about vacuuming. I know my trash can gets emptied every day. So, (laughs) Uh, yeah, that's true. But that happens while I'm still in the office for my, my workspace. I feel like all the dusting and the windexing and such happens, uh, at a later date and maybe not so often, you know, like there's a sign in my bathroom where if you go in and the, uh, the seat is lifted up, you know, that's a clean toilet. You're the first one who's going to be using that toilet. <laughs> Do you <laughs> so like go through the stalls looking for the up one? That's right. You're like up, up, up. Uh, I mean, there's only two toilets <laughs> and the, uh, the larger, Handicap one is too large. I'm too far away from that door. You know, I want to be able to put my arms up and my feet up just to brace that door in case some type of, you know, intruder is there. But um, so I'm a I'm a small stall kind of guy. <clears throat> oh, something to add for the J Ray podcast. There it is. That's your first piece of information. Um, so so yeah Michael decides that they're gonna have a charity auction to help recoup their um lost things and who's gonna come? He doesn't know, but maybe some Lukey lose yeah. yeah like I had to like go back and like listen did he actually say Lukey Lou but yes, he did, and the big thing is um Bruce Springsteen tickets. Yeah, I don't know why that's the big thing. I don't know why there's so many fans in the office of Bruce Springsteen. I don't know why he thinks of it. It just seems random. Well, it seems like the people who really want it are the older people. Hmm. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a big Bruce Springsteen kind of guy. I mean, you're from no. Jersey, so you kind of oh, have no, to like no, him a little no, bit, right? No, 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 no. I think, um, well... <laughs> Most people would say they, you know, they like all those Jersey folks, but I feel like there's a divide, and I will pick Bon Jovi over Springsteen. Oh, yeah, I mean, oh yeah, gotta go with the Jovi. <laughs> gotta. 
I mean, honestly, like the big, big ticket item, which I felt went pretty cheap, was the weekend in David Walsh's place in Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. You know, selling for like 400 bucks. I mean, that, that's got to be really nice, you know? Yeah. Uh, when it was weird, you feel like David could have put more money up for stuff, you know? Because what did he vote? For? Uh, he bid on uh, Phyllis's hug toward the end, right? Yeah, I think so. But he could have kept going. <laughs> um, yeah, so he puts on this crime aid thing, and people are auctioning off different uh, things and hoping that Lukey Lou's uh, come in to participate in the bidding. And uh, so some stuff that we see are yoga lessons from Holly Flax. Mm-hmm. And this is probably one of my favorite. <laughs> That's what she said lines. Because so he's doing the bidding and he's just saying nonsense and no one gives a darn. And he, he you know, sells it to himself for three hundred bucks. He goes, sold, beep, squeak. Right? It's just so quick and he's so disappointed. Um, you know, and he's admonishing Phyllis and eventually he just goes, you know, it squeaks when you bang it. That's what she said. <laughs> like I just love when he accidentally sets himself up and immediately responds as if there's a second voice in his brain. <laughs> It only does. That's what she said. Jokes. It's just so quick. <laughs> yeah, like that, there was a great gym face in that one. It's <laughs> just like, okay. Uh, we also, uh, Kevin will do your taxes. Yep. An all-inclusive creed. <laughs> Whatever that means, which is scary. Yeah. Um. We also have that Michael's top 10 Bruce Springsteen songs, Three by Huey Lewis in the News, Fast Car by Tracy Chapman, and Short People. <laughs> and not a single Springsteen song on there. No. Um, what else? Hank, the security guard, has a um, a blues record, I guess, that he is. It seems like he's just selling it. but Right. That's fine. And then um, Daryl is uh, offering a beer with the warehouse right now. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Sold the gym for $5. Easy. Easy. Uh, Michael would have been on it had it not been a, for the conflict of interest, of course. Right. Of course. But then you have the whole, like, so something we missed earlier in the episode is Pam went out and got drunk with her friends. And left like a super long email on Jim's work phone. The voice message. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry. I said email. Uh, and then so they run into Roy. And Roy, I don't know if he intentionally did it or just, I don't know. But he's like, you know, you were a friend and I never thought that there would be any issue there. So it kind of mm. freaks Jim out and he's like, I'm going to New York. But then he doesn't. So. So I talked to my girlfriend about this when we were watching it recently, and um, she is under the impression that Roy may have such true jerk within him that he just said the thing without thinking of the repercussions, you know? Like, it's more so not to cause doubt in Jim, but to just respond like a jerk, you know? That makes sense? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, I don't know if I, I still can't put my finger on if it was intentional or not. But 
part of it just does seem like he's like, oh, yeah, um, you know, he's just being honest with a guy who just told him he was engaged to his former fiance. Well, that's what I mean, though. Like, I think he's just responding with no tact as opposed to purposefully saying things to make Jim kind of crazy, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think, and I, I could see that too, because then to assume that Rory knows how to push people's buttons, like psychologically, may be also giving Rory too much credit <laughs> because we've seen that his, uh, his default action is to go punch someone, you know? Right. Throw, but throw like, I mean, if it. it were, I mean, if it were me and I was trying to like, just be a jerk and hurt somebody that's exactly what i would say like if i was gonna like needle somebody that's exactly what i would do it's like hey you know when you know i didn't think you were a threat and look what happened now yeah i mean it's definitely kind of left up there because we don't you know we don't like linger on roy for a reaction or anything we don't know how quickly Jim left, and obviously we never go back to the bar. So, right. But uh, Roy's a jerk, though, man. That's all I know. And so we um, we have this uh, sort of the B storyline is Andy and Angela have set a date, mm. and Dwight is trying to figure out what to do, and Phyllis is kind of helping him out. For most of the episode, Dwight's just kind of a jerk to Phyllis. Right. And then he realizes that, you know what, she was just trying to help. She was trying to be a nice person. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little great. I mean, those talking head moments that the character who is speaking realizes the true intentions of, you know, either the event or the person they're discussing. And like to see their faces, you know, Jacob's eyes thing, right? Mm -hmm. So Dwight's sitting in the lobby downstairs and he's saying, you know, she stuck her nose where she shouldn't have by caring about me or something like that. Mm -hmm. And like slowly you see his face change like, oh, yeah, she's a nice lady. <laughs> a, a great thing in this is that uh, Andy starts bidding on Phyllis's hug. He's like, I need a hug. Right. <laughs> Poor Andy. It's tough. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I don't really know how to explain why Andy stays with Angela so long. Like, obviously, he pursued her because he found her cute and he was just kind of jonesing for some bones in, you know? But, um <clears throat> Yeah, obviously, when she's just mean, you feel like he'd kind of be aware of it. And again, if you take into instance, and I know he's um, gone through some anger management at this point, but he obviously used to be a very short-tempered man. So you feel like the antics that Angela, uh, you know, does and kind of puts him through, he'd kind of flip out sooner. Right. Uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where, like, but in this episode, you can see, like, he really does love her, you know? Right. Like, he does really care about her. I don't know why, but he does. No one knows, man. So, um, yeah, so that's going on. Obviously, they're they're kind of going through a bit of a thing or whatever. Um, and, of course, just to 
reference it moving forward, this is the season of the duel, right? So uh, yeah, it's like what's it's coming up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven episodes from now. So we'll hit it next time. Yeah. And even yeah. in business trip, they still haven't slept together. So it's like this three episode window where they actually must have had sex at some point. Right. It's weird. But um, so Andy, no, I'm confusing because, you know, what the thing is that whole stage looks exactly like the roast of Michael Scott. Yeah, you kind of figure it's the same one. <laughs> I, I blend them in, yeah. So Andy does not play guitar during this event. <laughs> <clears throat> um, all right, so what what's next then? So that that's going on. We got Jim who eventually decides that uh, he's not going to be one of those guys and that he trusts Pam, obviously, and that this is just like a temporary little thing he has. So he gives a, one of those Jim smiles at the camera as he comes back to Scranton. Um, back at the... Like, eventually we start getting to the Bruce tickets, right? Right. And we find out that Michael just doesn't have them. So why would he lie about this? Like, this is an odd thing to lie about. Yep. I mean, it is. maybe he could, maybe he thought he could get away with it. He's like, oh, I had them, but they were stolen, which he tries to do, but still doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, it does not. Um. Yeah, because also, too, it's like, when would it have been stolen? Because, you know, you never get a clear timeline for this kind of thing. But presumably, this crime-made thing happens, I almost feel like, the day of. The way it's, like, shot, and it happens so quickly. Yeah, day of, next day at the latest. So, like, when would these tickets have been stolen? You know, it's almost like he's trying to, like, pass it off as if he had tickets, and then maybe they were stolen when everybody else's stuff was stolen. That's what it felt like. He's just like, yeah... I mean, but of course, the point, too, is like, it, this is thin. Everybody sees right through his crap, right? Right, right. <clears throat> um, so that's when Phyllis's hug comes into play. Mm-hmm. So she offers a hug. People are bidding, and it's going up. And, and Michael doesn't like, know what to do. He's like, what's yeah. going on? And Dwight um, with the, like, the price is right move. $500 yeah. and one penny. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's one of those things, again, that just, like, the one penny is what makes it funny. It's not one cent, you know. It's one penny, you know. That's the delivery. It's it's great. Um, so he's going, and eventually it's just him and Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration, and um, they get like seven hundred dollars, and Bob's like a thousand. Like he knew no one else would go above a grand, right? Yeah, yeah. And I wonder too. Okay, so Bob Vance is in the mob, right? Right. Uh-huh. So does he like? yell at phyllis later no he's like you brought you cost me a thousand dollars and da 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 you know whatever. no no i mean you don't think so you you get the feeling that bob is is loaded in yeah he's definitely loaded i mean they took like a six-week honeymoon i mean you gotta be pretty loaded to have that kind of honeymoon so uh so i feel like a thousand dollars is nothing for him it'd be like me spending like 10 bucks like, or me popping a quarter in a gumball machine. Yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, well, because in this episode too, we find out, and it's kind of like one of those like weird dark jokes that kind of goes under the radar. But when they're in the elevator, uh, Phyllis and Dwight, she says, you know, 
you know, give her an ultimatum. That's how Bob got me to stop talking to my sister so much. And it's like kind of like a messed up thing that Bob did, right? Whatever it was to kind of threaten Phyllis so as to not talk to her own family anymore. Right. Uh, well, so that's why I kind of get thinking like, all right, so Phyllis cost you a thousand dollars for a hug. You know, he goes home. He's all like, Phyllis, you listen to me. <laughs> I'm not getting no hug for just one thousand dollars. I'm getting more. Go do the dishes and ba 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 ba. That whole thing. I don't know. And I don't know why Bob sounds way more Italian than uh, <laughs> when he goes home. <clears throat> but, maybe, uh, maybe it's an act. Maybe Bob Vance is like an act and he's really like hardcore, like yeah, Italian really like Bobby, mafia. He goes home. He's Bobby the Fridge, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> There's people who angry. He puts him in a fridge. With the clamps. That's right. Um, so it's huge. It's the most expensive item on the thing. Bob wins. Um, you know, they're trying to fill in the little bubble of money they're trying to raise. And even by the end of the whole thing, it's still not a lot. Yeah. I mean, they ended up getting like $3,000. So I mean, yeah, they did get a little bit of money for other things. Yeah. It's possible their goal was a little too high reaching, right? Um, and another well, thing we don't if really you, find if you look, like, there there is a line for like getting stuff back. Like right. like break evens like four like four or five thousand dollars. Then for some reason Michael goes all the way to a million dollars. Like some like some dude is just gonna like Bill Gates gonna walk off the street and be like, Doosh million dollars for a hug. Yeah. And it's not really clear either, and it doesn't really matter, I suppose, but how that money's gonna be divided up, you know? Because obviously, like does Oscar get his laptop back first? Or does Kevin get his surge protector first? Or does that money not really go anywhere and they have some type of communal party like they always do, you know? Right. Well, the other thing is, you know, there, there's a lot of other stuff at play, right? Like businesses have to have insurance against this sort of stuff. So, I mean, while you can't replace what was on the laptop, at least that stuff will be replaced. Oh, my thing died. Hey, Dave, that's really embarrassing. I know. <laughs> that's, that's symbolism. Because, uh, you know, I, I had my laptop stolen in college, and I was like, I didn't really care so much about the laptop. It was what was on the laptop, you know? Sure. Like, lots of college photos that I'll never get back and stuff. Back for like, there was the cloud and all that crap. Yeah. When I, uh, like, 2004 you know, when it happened, I think. Yeah. You know, I moved a couple of weeks ago, and I found this terabyte hard drive, you know, whatever, Western Digital. And I was like, oh, like, I wonder what's on here. So I brought it into work because I got a similar model, but just a newer one, but I could use all the same plugs. Totally empty. <laughs> and I know it wasn't. I just didn't know what was on there, but it was totally empty. So, you know, from some Jocelyn and stuff, it must have just wiped itself or whatever. And, uh, and I don't know enough about technology to try to recover it. So I'm just like, you know what? It's probably better. There's probably some things I don't want to find on there anyways. It was just exciting for a hot minute, you know. There, There's always pain down that road. Yeah. So the, the last big thing that happens is um, Wallace sees Michael and Holly kissing, mm-hmm. and he move he, he sends Holly back to Nashua. Well, so we don't know that this episode, but right, that that's eventually what ends up happening. So my question is, why? I mean, it, I mean, I could see the the business reason the boss cannot be dating the HR person. That's just too much going on there, especially with someone like Michael Scott. But was this like uh, to do it out of spite? Was it, you know, to prevent a Jan situation? Like, is there, what do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, so it's been proven before that, um, you know, David Wallace is fine, right? Sometimes he's nice, sometimes he's not so nice, you know. So he does what he does, and ultimately his goal is to uh, make the company successful, right? Right. So in matters of this that are kind of like HR-related, yeah, yeah, like I wonder if there's some kind of like internal – lawsuit that can be issued from holly about why she would be transferred or did they sign something in their contract that says you know you are in the employment of dunder mifflin and you'll have to work where we ask you to unless you decide not to work with us anymore you know Uh, i mean that's not an uncommon thing to have happen in in businesses like look you can we're going to transfer you we'll pay you know and they pay for it all and everything else but you have to go pretty much there. There is no, right. no, like, you know, if my company would be like, look, we're sending you to Paducah, Kentucky, right. I could go or I could not work at my company anymore. Yeah. Uh, and there is actually a city named Paducah, Kentucky. Just <laughs> maybe there's a fans at Paducah. Well, don't go. <laughs> don't do it. Um. So when does Toby come back? Uh, it's a while. It's Frame Toby, right? It's almost got to be. Like, um, I don't yeah, know. Because that's the thing, too. It's obviously they don't have a replacement lined up for Holly immediately either. Right. So there's it, not it, a lot of obvious reasons aside from like, oh, you guys are dating. I don't want you guys to date or work together and date, you know? Right. Well, <laughs> you know, maybe they put, you know... Maybe they had someone from corporate HR like calling in a lot or like, hey, if you need an HR person, call so-and-so at corporate, et cetera. Right. So I don't know. It's it's definitely weird, but uh, it's what happens. And uh, so David Walls gives his talking head, says, no, I didn't know they were dating. That's kind of how the episode ends. Mm-hmm. Start the next episode, finding out that Holly will be uh, transferred. Right. So, uh, what are you going to give this episode? You know, last week we were pretty mediocre with our ratings. Mm -hmm. And I will say at least a little bit better. So, I give it a 3.7 out of 5. Oh, you cut out on me. What was that? Uh, 3.7 out of 5 squeaks when you bang it. (laughs) Wow, you did a lot better than me. Uh... You know what? I used to like this episode a lot, but it's one thing to watch. It's another thing to do it for like a podcast. So I think my my rating is going to be a 2.5 out of 5 all-inclusive creeds. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, kind of uh, the theme that Jacob and I talked about offline was that this, this run of episodes that we'll be covering tonight aren't like uh, particularly crazy you know they're kind of more traditional episodes not traditional that's not the right word but you know it's it's, they're a little bit more chill there's a little less going on in terms of the story uh they're kind of like uh you know stories of the week um kind of thing so it's tough you know ultimately when we're doing these ratings they are either episodes you really really like or they're episodes that like you can kind of skip next time you're doing your rewatch so that's what it is, and uh, <clears throat> we'll just keep chugging along here. Uh, 
So next up we have employee transfer. Um, I don't have my notes up, so I'm getting there. Ba -ba 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 -ba. Okay, so employee transfer. Uh, this one is written by Anthony Farrell, and it is directed by David Rogers. Is that a first um, for... What? Is, David, is this David Rogers' first episode? I don't know. Let's see. Click. Uh, yeah, it is. But then he does quite a few after. He does Mafia, Ultimatum, uh, all the way down to Andy's Ancestry. It's <laughs> a good one. Yeah, there's Apparently, a lot of fresh faces in F in this season that kind of carry forward. Yeah. Um, he also has a cameo in the episode Company Picnic as the man with expensive sunglasses who isn't blind. Oh, these are Ray-Bans, jackass. Yeah, that's right. Oh, he's a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay. So, employee transfer. It's this episode aired on Halloween, um, and it is technically a Halloween episode. Uh, the first person we see in costume is Pam. Uh, she went as Charlie Chaplin, but yeah. uh, she used grease paint for her mustache, and when she takes off her hair, uh, her hat, her hair appears to be that of Hitler. Right, and she did not realize that no one at corporate dressed up for Halloween. Yeah, so it's she's she's in a bit of a pickle. It's a bit awkward, um, but she just has to deal with it. That's what she, that's what her life is for today. <laughs> um, so we got that. Then we see a couple other costumes, but really the costumes are only in the beginning, right? Right, yeah, because you really don't see too much. Well, you kind of feel like it's done like it's the next day you know sort of thing right but right. so we got you know we got uh kelly is someone from sex in the city i think yeah carrie bradshaw uh ryan is gordon gecko of uh wall street wall street great movie uh then we got creed is the joker kevin and dwight are also the joker and Kevin's Joker is just terrible, even though he's been up since four. You know, if he was the only Joker in that office, I wouldn't say it's terrible. He's okay. But yeah, Creed is like over the top. Yeah, I mean, it looks crazy. And I'm going to commit internet heresy. I did not think that movie was all that good. That is all around heresy, Jacob. <laughs> that is not just on the internet. I, I mean, uh, and is... I've watched it recently. It's good, but it's not that good and i don't think he was all that great as the joker like if he hadn't have died he wouldn't have gotten that oscar oh my goodness you're a monster this show is over <laughs> you can send uh, all your hate mail to broken jars broadcasting at gmail.com just basically say jacob go fuck yourself and then yeah. we'll know what's going on not not to go off, but I will say the Dark Knight is what makes that whole Nolan series worth watching. Because Batman Begins is like fine. It's really weird, honestly, uh, because it's kind of jumping all over the place, and uh, you know, it's not told how Batman stories have been told up until then. And I don't think it was huge. Plus, Iron Man comes out around that time too, so it wasn't uh, until the Dark. Yeah, uh, Iron so Man was around the same time as Dark Knight. Dark Knight. 
Yeah. They're both uh, like 2008 then? Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're right. Because Batman Begins is like 2006 or something. Yeah. I was pretty sure I was still in college when Batman Begins came out. Yeah. But, um, but that's what it is, is the Dark Knight is what makes those movies like worth watching because then you can watch Batman Begins and be like, oh yeah, it leads to the Dark Knight and that's why this movie's good as opposed to it's not really that great on its own, you know? I mean, like I said, it's not a bad movie at all. It's a good movie. It's just not as good as everyone makes it out to be. Like I said, you're a monster, a beast, <laughs> and, you know, I will be calling the authority, so it's fine. However you want to live your life, that's cool. <laughs> okay, back. So, um, right, so we've got all those. Jim has another kind of, uh, I forget what his thing. Is that where he's Dave or something? Yeah, he's Dave. Yeah. Dave, yeah. Um, and then that's it. So uh, we've got that Andy. Oh, yeah, Andy. I forgot about Andy. There's really three. Oh, yeah, he's that kitten or whatever. He's a kitten is what he says, right? It looks like something out of like a labyrinth. <laughs> Well, so I, I th- he's dressed up kind of like um, a character from Cats, I think is what it is. Ah. Um, Angela's wearing the, her kitten outfit that was made famous by Prinkles, the cat. Um, yeah, and there's like three, like there's an ABC sort of thing, going, like story structure here in this episode. So you have Michael, Holly, Daryl go into Nashua. Um, you have... Dwight and Andy going back and forth about Cornell. And then you have Jim's brothers meeting Pam. I don't know how they're just meeting for the first time. But, like, I mean, I'm I'm not not great with my Northeast geography, but how close is Boston to New York City? That's like a hall, isn't it? Yeah. No, not very close. I mean, again, I live 15 minutes outside of New York. And when we went to PAX, it's like three, three and a half hours. Okay. Yeah. Well, then it's not as far as I thought. So, but still coming in from Boston into New York City for lunch with Pam. And that's, it's kind of a long trip, right? Unless he was already there to begin with, like for some reason. Yeah. I mean, we don't know what uh, Jim's brothers do. So maybe they travel or something, but. Yeah. Cause we don't see them. Like you only see them, what, twice in the entire series? Yeah. Sounds right. And, you know, the the troll of Andy by Dwight is so good. Where he, you know, because honestly, I think if Andy hadn't gotten in the way, he probably would have actually tried to get into Cornell. Right. Um, so that happens. And, you know, Andy just loses his fucking mind. Like, his... Cornell's a good school. I'm not trying to say it's a bad school, but like he treats it like it's like the best. Right. Just like, man, even the Ivy Leagues, Cornell's kind of near the bottom of the heap, you know? Well, that's definitely part of the joke. Is that like he uh, probably shouldn't be tooting his horn as much as he's tooting. Right. And he's also kind of admitted himself that it's not like he had the best grades, right? Mm-hmm. They called him Buzz for a hot minute because he was getting B's. <laughs> That's what he says. And then, uh, yeah, so. Call me Ace. Gustrade Ace. Gustrade <laughs> That's right. So, like, I don't know. We, we should figure out how many things he's been called. Or at least according to him. Yeah, that'd be like an King episode butt. of itself. Boner Champ. Boner, well, yeah, that's the big one. There's Boner Champ, King Butt. Yeah. King Butt. <laughs> so, and, you know, they 
Do we have so that that's happening? But the big thing is Andy, not Andy, Michael Holly. Right. You know, they're going. They start out with all this energy, like you do on. It's a rookie mistake, and you just hate to see it. But when you're going on a log road trip, you got to start that trip low energy and rise. If you start high, you're fucked. You're just you're not you're you're gonna be an hour and a half in and be like, oh my god, I'm just ready to die. So you gotta like start start low energy. Yeah. You know, and I how does Daryl get roped into this whole thing? Uh he's got the truck. Yeah, but like he's got the Dunder Mifflin thing going. Uh they're leaving during a work day. He's pro Michael probably told me to get paid to do it, like paid overtime. Something like that, right? That's got when I feel like that's uh a misuse of uh oh yeah definitely uh, complete complete misuse of, of company, yeah. company property yeah uh well unless they unless so if you get transferred you almost always get it paid for by the company mm. so maybe they talk to whomever and said, hey, look, if we just use our stuff, it'll be cheaper. So maybe they pulled it off that way? I mean, also, too, I mean, you know, having just moved a couple people recently, uh, I don't know how they fit a single person's apartment in the back of, like, what I think is, like, a flatbed, right, with, like, raised wood edges or something. Like, it wasn't a box truck. Right. Like, I don't know how you fit in a person's entire apartment there. Well, but... I mean, you would assume because she was always going back, right? So maybe she just, maybe they put her up in a furnished kind of apartment and she didn't have a whole lot mm -hmm. there. Because, I mean, that would make sense, right? Like an extended stay sort of executive hotel kind of thing. Right. Because, I mean, she was only going to be there for the length of the trial until Toby came back. Mm -hmm. So that would make sense to me. Tr trial? Oh. Yeah, the Scran Strangler, because that's why he... No, 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 that's... No, because he's gone to peace in Costa Rica now. Never mind, she was coming permanently. I was thinking of the next time she comes. Right, right, right. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so never mind. Um, and she, she got to... Maybe she just hadn't moved everything yet, because it seems like she would have a hard time getting that house so quickly, unless she already had it to begin with, you know? Yeah, I mean, so this presumably takes place not immediately after, but pretty close, maybe within the week or so, right? I would assume, yeah, within a week. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know. But that's the thing. We're always messing with the timelines and some confusing things, but <laughs> it's weird. We see you, office staff. Sounds awkward to me, but we see you. Okay, um, so, yeah. So I was thinking about it, and I have this note in, in my in my notes. So it's just like, how much did this documentary cost? They send people to New York following, you know, driving alongside Daryl and then them. They were there for eight, nine years, whatever. Right. Had <laughs> to be like a multi-million dollar documentary for a mini series on PBS. Yeah, I mean, I will say that um, sometimes for video work, what I've seen is that they'll, when especially when things are far away, they'll hire local 
people to shoot it. But so technically speaking, no, because we do see outside footage of them at the gas station, right? That conversation doesn't take place just in the thing. Right. Yeah. And there's a shot of the truck just rolling down the highway. Right. And but technically speaking, that could just be B roll from that first couple of miles that they just used again. Could have been. Want to use camera trickery and pretend that this is a real documentary. (laughs) Um, But yeah, presumably they could have hired a a film crew that was in Nashua who just meets them at the house to take over the next part, you know? Still, that's a lot of money. Well, what you're talking about, the nine years is where the (laughs) the expenses come in, not so much the traveling. But yeah, no, the nine years plus who knows how much footage, you know? Uh, Did you ever, there's a documentary called uh, Exit Through the Gift Shop. I have not it's, seen that yet. Yeah, it's like a basic doc, but uh, there's a guy in it who films so much footage, and they look at it, and it's like crates and crates of like undocumented high eight and you know DV tapes and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I couldn't imagine. I don't want to be the dude who comes in after taking this whole trip to move Holly and has to be like, okay, well. They sang Life is a Highway again at hour 60. So, you know, <laughs> whatever like that, you know, like that's, that job's terrible. The editor can just kind of jump around, you know, but the person who's digitizing all that stuff has to like sit there and watch it. It's the worst. So in the real world, it's under five hours from Scranton to, to Nashua. Okay. And not too far past halfway is Hartford, Connecticut. Like halfway is somewhere in Connecticut. So I feel like they really kind of skewed reality there to to make it look worse than it was. Because you know what? Five hours, that's doable on a weekend. It's not a great thing to do, but I've definitely done it for long distance relationships before. Well, you figure they're... um... Well, at least in this context, they're driving the truck, so they're probably going a little bit slower because they got all that stuff on it. So if they're using that as their metric. Right. Right. But still, I mean, look at the map. It's 300 miles. Right. Come Sorry, on. Guys. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so they're going um, – I mean, so this whole thing deteriorates quickly, but before we get there, then let's jump, right? So – Dwight is really egging Andy on with all of his stuff. He's yeah. got the sweater. He's got the bobblehead, big red bear. Puts up the pennant. Yep, yep. So all this kind of jazz. And eventually uh, we come to a place where we find out that he's going to interview to be at Cornell. And Andy is able to become the interviewer. Right. Because his alumni connections or what have you. Um, and Dwight says like that's a conflict of interest and Andy's like it is <laughs> should a I, big uh, one <laughs> yeah he's like, should I uh, should I not let you in now or should I not let you in after the interview and Dwight's like interview <laughs> and, um, and then he says some fancy nonsense about 2pm something whence the people yeah. confer something complicated <laughs> even Dwight doesn't get it what yeah, I just put in my notes, Andy's conference room thingy. Like, yeah, it's this yeah. nonsensical thing. 
Yeah, it's nuts. But um, yeah, so they end up in the conference room and they're on either side of a table. Actually, technically, Andy's using the table as a desk and Dwight is sitting further back, kind of alone, power move right. style, right? Yeah. On so Andy's do you back. think he went in there and like set it up for himself so he could be like all like power move oh, and definitely. shit? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so he starts asking questions and Dwight, obviously, he knows his stuff. So Andy changes the question after the answer, right? He was like, who is our fifth president? I'm sorry, our sixth president was, you know. Right. And then Dwight reveals that he is actually going to submit a review of the interviewer. Right. Uh, so that they could see how, you know, how he did or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, no one wants to see that. And Dwight's like, oh, I'm sure they will. <laughs> and it just becomes them writing things out loud that are lies about the opposing person. Mm-hmm. Until it gets into this great tug of war battle between the desks which Dwight wins pretty handedly I'll say. Oh yeah, Dwight would Dwight would kill Andy in a fight easily. Probably, yeah. Well, I mean also too. I mean, uh, we learned that like a 12-year-old girl kicks Andy's ass in a fight. Right, right. Um, And then so this is something this is at least the second time it's happened but Dwight says something about going to the far superior Dartmouth. And this is the second yeah. time, like, Cornell Dartmouth has come up. So I wonder if, like, someone or some people in the writer, writers or people in the show had, like, this Cornell Dartmouth rivalry going on. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I don't really uh, – because it's not like they paint either favorably, right? Uh, yeah. Or maybe Dartmouth, right? Well, right, right. But I'm just saying there's – but there's – like, whenever they really talk about, like, Ivy League schools, it's – one of those two. They don't really ever bring up Harvard or Princeton or Penn. Right. You know, it's Dartmouth and Cornell. Right, right. Yeah, so it's possible. I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of those uh, comedy show writers are always from those like smart people schools or whatever because <laughs> dumb people can't be funny, I guess. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, the the so... best, the best, uh, the best thing out of all of that back and forth between Andy and Dwight is Andy says interviewer has a head shaped like a trapezoid. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, um, we've gone past the point of being clever. Right. Right. <laughs> so, so jumping back to, um, Michael and Holly. So they get to, so Holly loses it at some point in the trip. Like I can't do this. It's too long. You know, it won't be that. And Michael's like doing his best to keep it together. And they get to Holly's place. And my question is, how did Michael intend to get back to Scranton? Because D- Daryl was going to leave him there. Then he was like, no, I'm going to ride home with you. Yeah, I mean, maybe it would have been a train or something. Maybe. That's what I mean. There's a couple of things here. It's like, it's not quite clear. Holly just gets a house. They move this entire apartment in a small truck. Michael was going to use a magic carpet to get back home. It's like, but that's, that's the problem with the rewatch, right? Cause how many times have we seen this episode ourselves? Probably dozens and dozens of times. So right. Upon first watch, no one gives a darn, but now it's like, ah, eh, that's weird. <laughs> so, you know, they have this really just bad breakup, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, that's a bummer. So do you ever have any of those like really just odd breakups where you're like, oh, that sucks? Yeah. I mean, there's probably instances where um, distance, money, 
those kinds of things, especially even when you're young. Cause like even say I was 16, if I can't pay for gas, then it's hard to, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, do that whole kind of thing too. So, um, yeah, things that were like, it's not because we had people differences, it's because there were other differences, you know, and mm-hmm. it feels like, you know, got kind of lamed, but, uh, yeah, th- those are tough. There's not a lot you can do in those situations, you know? Right. You know, I, uh, I gotta give Daryl credit. He does try with Mike. You know, he's all like, you know, sometimes I like to sing the blues and he like gets him to try and start talking about it. Michael just can't like, so he just cries a little bit and just kind of gets into the no, 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 no kind of stuff. And right. but it kind of helps him out. Uh, yeah. I mean, Daryl is one of the, Daryl's like one of those like regular grounded characters, right? Cause there's right. not a lot of them on the show, but he's one of those that like generally stays pretty like, He's a person you would run into. Um, and if you're going to be stuck with a dude in your car for five hours, the least you could do is try to pep him up at some point, right? Right. Yeah. And it also goes to like Michael's kind of like childlike, you know, positivity. Or like it's just saying this stupid na 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 or whatever, like just makes him feel better. Right. Yeah. It's kind of a nice moment there. Daryl should just found like a gas station bomb a sixer and said, here you go, Mike. Get drink up, buddy. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> um, so so that's kind of the end of that part, but then we jump back to uh the whole Pam thing. So she's talking to Tom and Pete, and they come up with this plan about how artists never make any money and um, you know, she's kind of wasting her time and her future is gonna be kind of bleak and yeah, you know, it's just so like, terrible. Yeah. And Pam's just playing along because she's trying to be like the cool. Like she wants, like she wanted to do the whole losing her ring and all that stuff. Right. So, but it goes, it gets approved by the council and uh, that's the joke. So Jim shows up first and he says, what's up to his brothers? And then Pam shows up later and it's all this whole fake ruse like, hi, so nice to see you. Right. They're so terrible. Like, yeah, they're just bad people. And uh, they're going, so, you know, it's like all kind of, it's pretty subtle how they not pissed Jim off so early, right? Right. Because he was already mad at him. And so every time they make a little comment, uh, <laughs> he makes like a great Jim face where he's like eating a salad or something. So he looks over at the camera and his mouth is full of like whatever. And he's all like sticking his, I don't know, it's just, it's a good face because like he couldn't even wait. Till he was done chewing to make sure the camera knew that he was disapproving of what was happening in front of him. Uh, you know, we talk about um, one of their kids who plays the trumpet and only knows the saints go marching in. And, uh, and then the other brother again lays into it. Jim finally loses it. Um, and it, it's kind of at that climax. The brothers have a great moment. They think it's hilarious. They're like, oh, yeah, it was all Pam. It was all Pam. And, yeah. and you know, at the end, there's like, she's like, I want to go in a different direction. Just like anything would have been a better direction than that. Yeah. And then they say, what did you say? Something about how, like, she wants to um, prank prank one of the brothers about his hair. <laughs> yeah. Prank, prank him about being bald. Yeah. And I was like, how is that a prank? But that's fine. I guess the same way that. Well, did she kind of give the air quotes like prank? Right. It was more like just talking about how he's bald all the time. Right. right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Then that is kind of that for that episode. And it, it ends up with Andy coming in, like talking about being a beet farmer. It tries to bite into the beet, 
and can't do yeah. it. And it's like core now, and Dwight just takes takes a chunk out of the beat. Yeah, yeah. So, what would you give this episode, sir? Uh, you know, maybe I just was like, now that I'm talking about him, I like him a bit more. But my original rating yesterday was a two out of five lost rings. You gonna stick with it? Yeah, I'm gonna stick with it. Yeah, I think I'm gonna give this one probably. You give it a two out of eight. Want to see a magic trick? <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's like I said, it's tough when you're watching an episode that has sad stuff in it, just because it's not fun to watch sad stuff. And you know, there are some there are some gems in this episode, but overall, it's just kind of like a sad episode, and it's just like yeah. I'd rather not go out of my way to watch if I don't need to. And damn this show for making me do it. <laughs> oh, it's just like whenever just like Scrubs would make like rip your heart out. Like no sitcom I've seen just will rip your heart out like Scrubs would. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. There was a stretch where I did try to watch Scrubs for fun, like again, and I was like, no, this is not fun. It's <laughs> terrible and sad, and I hate it. <laughs> Uh, so season five, episode seven, customer survey. Uh, it opens up where, uh, Dwight, I think it's Dwight comes in. It's like, Hey, I heard you were engaged. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the flashes Daryl talking is like, I was there. That man's not engaged. I don't believe <laughs> in therapy, but I'll go into my own pocket for his coping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and then eventually they, they harangue Michael into calling his mother and she's like, mom, I got engaged. And she's like, no, you didn't. And, um, you know, she's like, why do you never believe me when I tell you I'm getting engaged? Cause obviously this has happened with Michael quite a few times. I mean, presumably he said it, um, to his mom, maybe after he proposed to Carol. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, she, she splits. She doesn't break up with him though, but she does leave that party, and maybe he takes it as like, "Oh, well, we'll be engaged soon," then you know. Um, but they never got that close with Jan. But maybe he phrased like moving in with her as like getting engaged or something. I don't maybe. Know. This is the um, this is the only time we hear her voice, right? Her the mom. Oh yes, I believe so. Yeah. See, I always got the feeling that, like, the mom character kind of morphs into Nana from Michael Scott Paper Company. Oh, sure. Right. That kind of, like, um, I already know the weird shit that you're up to and know. Right, right. right. That kind of voice, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the and then, like, another question. Why did Michael lie about this? Was he going to play it off like he got engaged, then they broke up? Was it just him being hopeful? Like, what yeah, the fuck is I mean, he I doing? would want to say maybe he's like hoping that they'll get back together or something. But I don't know. Maybe also he, he just didn't know. He didn't want to say the sad news because it'll make it real. So he lies about it to make himself feel better kind of thing. Maybe. I just, I don't know. I mean, he's got to get smart and use that for like symp- sympathy sex or something, man. I mean, come on. From who? I don't know. I don't know, but... Ryan, maybe, right? (laughs) Um, So so he says this whole thing or whatever, and we find out Kelly wants to be a bridesmaid, 
and she actually ends up buying a bridesmaid's dress without knowing what the whole thing well, of the whole wedding is. Right. Well, when Michael told her she could do this, and it could be yeah. like, why? Why would he do this? Right. That it's going to be a white bridesmaid's dress. Yeah, and she does. She wears white. She wears white. She wears white to um. Phyllis's wedding. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What about um? Emergency. I look really good in white. What about uh, Jim and Pam's? Do you, do you remember? I don't, I don't think so. I felt like they would have made a thing about it. But, um... So one of the recurring things in this is um, Pam found uh, the tiniest Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. The world's tiniest Bluetooth, yeah. which, which somehow has crystal clear audio. And if anyone used a Bluetooth circa 2008, 2009, you know those things were terrible. Right. <laughs> there, Not good. There's even a joke about it in the final, in season nine, about how terrible the Bluetooths are. Yeah. Um, but they're using it. They're on the phone with each other all day. Also, we're not talking about like battery life here, right? Because mm-hmm. that's like a Bluetooth connection. So those things have to be on and receiving signal and stuff like that. Right. I mean, I don't know what kind of battery that would use, but man, if it could get, you know, uh, uh, an eight hour charge out of something smaller than a watch battery, they're, uh, they need to sell that to Apple in a hurry <laughs> or yeah. Samsung or whomever to get better. Because, I mean, I do like my Samsung phone, but its battery life is just terrible. Yeah. Yeah. They, they definitely get there. It was a dang shame when they started closing off those phones so that we couldn't switch batteries out. But whatever phone companies use sons of guns. Um, so they're chatting all day on the phone with each other. We find out that Jim knows what kind of coffee Pam likes. Something with a sprinkle of cinnamon. I don't know. Right. Uh-huh. Um. Yeah, so they're just chit-chatting. But then the, the, the big bulk of this episode is that Kelly um, does like does a customer service survey, I guess, to Dunder Mifflin's customers to mm-hmm. kind of rate their sales representatives. Um, we find out that Dwight and Jim have bad ratings. They are poopy. Yeah, and this is bad because it affects their bonuses toward the end of the year mm-hmm. because they have done good customer service or whatever. Um, so they're going around and they're trying to figure out why and slowly, but surely they discover mugs with people's faces on them. Right. Right. And so, so here is a question I did have. So Jim is using Andy's mug. I don't know if he did on purpose or what, but I've never really known a place to have community coffee mugs. Um, Most people tend to have their thing. You know, I've been to places where they have extras, you know, uh, for guests or whatnot, but I've just, I've never seen a, it seems weird to me that, that Jim isn't using his coffee mug. Yeah. I mean, personally, I have like a, like a water bottle slash thermos that I'll use all the time. But, yeah. um, I've got, yeah. I use a, bl- like a blender bottle from Walmart right. that, you know, that's what I put my water in and stuff, but still. If there were a dozen of those in a cabinet, I would still use mine. Yeah, I mean, well, their whole office is just weird anyways because they have that kitchen area, which isn't connected to the break room. and They've got two microwaves and stuff. So 
maybe presumably it's not like those are neutral mugs, but mugs that had just been left there and people keep bringing in mugs and then eventually everybody's got too many mugs, you know? Maybe. I don't know. It just, it just didn't make any sense to me. I'm calling you out office writers like nine years later. <laughs> Get your shit together. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. So, but there's also this great bit where Michael, not Michael, Jim and Pam are talking and Dwight's overhearing Jim's side. And he's like, who, what do you think I'm saying to you? Right. Yeah. It's really good. Um, so, but so they figure out that they think Kelly may have been tampering with the reports, right? Right. Dwight thinks it's bigger, not just Kelly. Maybe it's other people too. Right. But we find out that this is essentially because they didn't show up to, is it American Idol? Is that what it is? Uh, or America's Got Talent. I think it was America's, America's Got, Got Talent. Talent. Yeah. So she had an America's Got Talent party over the summer. Mm-hmm. Everybody showed up and got their mugs except for Jim and Dwight. Apparently, Pam had told Jim that he should go to that. He didn't listen, didn't go. Now he's been. Well, he wanted you know, to, you know, he ended up going to New York. I was kind of right. curious as to why Dwight didn't go. Because he always tends to go to those things. Like he went to Jim's party. He went to the Glee Watch party. He always tends to go to those type of things. And Michael was there, so you'd assume Dwight would have gone because Michael was there. Well, I will say that um, Jim's barbecue, he's dating Angela, so maybe it's a better thing. Yeah. And then the, and the Glee Watch party is like so far down the road. I mean, well, again, he's, well, that's when he's, he's in the contract. Yeah, he's in the contract with Angela, so maybe it's to avoid Andy and Angela. Okay. That right, makes right. sense to me now. Okay. We have That's solved this. We have solved yeah. this riddle. <laughs> um, so Jim discovers everyone in the office has one. Da da da. It's this party. Um, Michael. Michael needs to get a a more micro level of management for for uh, Jim and White, which right. results with him doing the fake call with Mister Butlicker, oh, which is so, which so is, funny. Great exchange. It's really the only good thing in this entire episode. Not going to lie. This episode's just not that great. Yeah. Uh, so they go in another good uh, gymism. Is it like, what would you call that gym? Micro gymment? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. I'm, you're right. Buttlicker is just hilarious. I can't stop thinking about it now that you've said it. <laughs> it's like, Buttlicker. Oh my goodness. Okay, sorry. This is bad audio. Okay. <laughs> um yeah, so they try to go for it and it just Michael uses it as an example of like obviously you guys are just shining examples of what these customer reports say. Um but they do convince There's your smudgeness. Yeah. <laughs> but they convince Kelly to come in and she kind of comes clean about the whole thing. She's like I was um, raped. And Michael's like you can't always say you were raped and get out of it. Yeah. That is a tough joke, but yeah. Yeah, was, that joke would not fly today. If they did that no. on like national TV today, they'd be, they would tort, they would burn down NBC. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Um, but so Michael does this one of his fake firings, not so much for Kelly. But no, no, for, not really a fake firing, just a uh, getting 
like just admonishing her. Talking to, right, he, yeah. He's like, I have such a hard time getting people to come over to my place. You know how much guacamole I've eaten? Why do I make yeah. it in such large quantities? <laughs> yeah. Um, but they start giggling about it and stuff, and they're they're cracking jokes, so it's fine. And then Jim and Dwight are just kind of standing outside the window, looking in and being like, "Okay, well, nothing really is happening here." Right. But that's fine because presumably their customer reports go back to being normal, right? You would assume so, and they get their bonus. And well, we yeah, because he's going to use that bonus to buy his parents' house, and he buys his parents' house, so we assume he got his full bonus or the majority right. of his bonus. Right. Uh, this episode kind of ends up with the dude who obviously has a thing for Pam, trying to get Pam to stay in New York. Oh, I don't think it's clear that he's got a thing for her. I think that's what we're supposed to believe. Like that he's got a thing for her because obviously Pam is the the cute woman on the show who everybody's trying to get with. And this guy is being joking and we are to assume that it's in a flirtatious manner. But I do think his, um, you know, his plea with her to kind of stay in the city to give it a shot is probably a legitimate artist to artist kind of moment. Uh... I mean, it could be debated, but that's how I read it. I was like, that was like the twist was that he didn't, he wasn't going to say, hey, you like me as Jim is trying to guess on the Bluetooth, right? But it's this other thing. But um, that, that's what I got from it, I think. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Uh, like, I don't know. Even before this episode with their interactions, I thought they were like he was into her. Maybe that's just me reading me into every situation. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like I, I do think it was shot and played for us to think that in the end. And I also don't think that um, guessing that is wrong later. But. I, I could see it both ways where it's he's definitely being flirtatious or he's being legitimate, like friendly, you know? Right. But it's it's a twist and Jim and Pam are kind of left dumbfounded. And, you know, even though they're on the phone with each other, they don't really talk about it. And I'm sure they've got all types of thoughts of buzz in their brains. Right. Um, lastly, we do see that Andy shows Angela this tent that he uh, got for the wedding. This huge, fancy, kind of canvassy tent thing, also probably non refundable. Um, Angela's like, I don't want to get married in a tent, but she says that she'll do it if it meets these certain conditions, which are hand plowed farm with an old barn. Um, that you can see the stars to the slats yep. when you lay on your back. Five to eight mile radius from where they are, presumably. Um, and of course, Andy figures out that this is, well, that figures out. He looks and finds that Dwight's farm fits that criteria. And he thinks he's very lucky. Right. Seriously, answer your phone, damn it. It's not, it's not me. Sorry. <laughs> um, okay. So what is that? Why is it going? Sounds okay. like an Jacob, you talk. I'm going to mute my mic. Okay. okay. <laughs> right. So he finds, he finds uh, Dwight's farm and it seems super awesome. And it's obviously a ploy by Angela to to bone Dwight more, which is crazy. Oh, and Jay Ray's gone, so I'm going to wax poetic about this episode. All right, so what we want to do here is Andy finds the farm. He's super excited. And there's this great scene, not great, weird scene, where Dwight and Andy 
and Angela are talking and Andy or Dwight's just looking down at Angela going, I'll be there. You can drop by anytime. And at this point, I'm wondering why she hasn't just ended the relationship. She's doing this to get with Dwight more often without uh, Andy, you know, Andy raising any concerns. And so I don't know at this point, like she's obviously back into Dwight again on some level. So I don't, I just don't understand why she didn't end up it just ending the relationship and getting with Dwight. Yeah. I mean, she's not a great person during this stretch of the show. Um, obviously with the cheating and stuff and, um, you know, similarly why we can't figure out why Andy would be an Angela. There's really no reason for her to like him because she's nothing but mean to the guy. Right. Well, I mean, we do know that she is a very, and this comes out in season nine, but also, uh, what came up in Dwight's speech that she's a very spiteful person. Mm -hmm. She does things out of spite. It's like, she's doing this to spite Dwight, even though she's still doing other things with Dwight. Right, like touching his wiener. Right. Uh, <laughs> I was yeah, trying to I figure mean, out how to roll, get spied into that, but I couldn't do it. Right, right. I mean, like you said to you earlier, we find out that, uh, I don't know when this is, but she hasn't talked to her sister in a long time and she doesn't even know why. Right. Right, so it is kind of Angela's thing to uh, be a jerk. Yep, yep, yep. But, yep, so that's kind of how the episode ends. Um. Just a quick bit of trivia. After this episode aired, those mugs were available on the NBC store. Nice. Yep. So, uh, yeah, so if I had to rate this episode, it probably would be something like, yeah, you're right. It's not great. So I'll give it a 2.7 out of 5 butt licks. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of there. It's fine. It's a fine episode. It, it's it's one of those episodes that just kind of washes through the background. You pay attention to certain scenes, and that's about it. Right. So I'm giving this a 2.5 out of 5. How oh, should I rate it? 2.5 out of 5. Oh, micromanagements. I don't know. I like it. Love it. Perfect. <laughs> Great. So we, we rolled down the tracks to our last episode, Business Trip. Yeah. Directed by Randall Einhorn and directed, oh, no, sorry. Directed by Randall Einhorn. Written by Brent Forster. <clears throat> and, and real quick, the touch we didn't say it last time, but the last episode was written by Lester Lewis, directed by Stephen Merchant, who are the co-creators of the show. So oh, there cool. you go. Yeah, he's one of the original, uh, he was on the original office in the UK. Ah, cool. So it would have been egregious to skip him. But yeah, so business trip. We got these fools doing this episode. Um, and this is, you know, one of those up until this point rare episodes where we're not really at the office as much, right? Right. Um, so the... Wallace is sending Michael, Andy, and Oscar, which seems like a very odd combination. To, well, to send Andy anywhere seems like an odd move on Wallace's part. Right. Um, but to uh, Winnipeg 
to work, I guess, schmooze a big client, you know, schmooze a client, which raises all sorts of questions for me. Like, is does Dunder Mifflin import? Do they have, is there, is there Dunder Mifflin Canada that we don't know about? Like, how are they handling customs and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, you know, my company is an importer, exporter of various things, and um, maybe they do drop shipping, but because is that stuff made in the states? Do we know uh, their paper? No, we don't. I mean, we don't. So, what if it's made in Canada? It could be, but then, but still, even though it's made in Canada, dealing with U.S. company, things get really bizarre. So, but the average high in Winnipeg in November is 29 degrees. So it's a fairly cold place, but it's not that cold. Right. It's not that warm either. So, so yeah, but there's a bunch of questions um, that, that this whole thing raises for me. Like, Michael's per diem for food is 50 bucks. Yeah. So how long is this trip? Like a 24-hour trip? Like fly in one day, fly out the next? That's kind of what it seemed like. Yeah, it did feel that way. That is low. I mean, I was on a trip to Vegas last year, and I think my dinner per diem was $30. Yeah, that's about right. Um, I mean, it kind of depends. When I was at Red Cross, it was it was about $40 a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and... The other places are higher or lower depending, but still, it's like 50 bucks. And I don't know, have you ever been to Canada? That VAT tax just like destroys things. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but they go. And like you said, it's like, a, you know, sorry about Holly kind of thing, which is weird. Right. Um, but when they get to the hotel... They meet a concierge who, those right. of you who might not know, is the Winnipeg version of like a geisha. Right. <laughs> Her name is Marie. And then, so I don't know about you, but I used to watch a lot of Reno 911. And uh, uh, this lady is um, one of the one of the cops on that show. She's super funny there. So it's always interesting to see a actor who is like kind of outlandish on another show, and she's actually pretty like chill on this show you know right all right so another thing i want to get to because i used to travel a lot for work so like these are all the questions i like hit me up so like sure i noticed so they're in the they're in the airplane and there's a there's a card for butte airlines in the back of the the seat so but there are no butte airlines but uh, mm. apparently in the show there are butte airlines and but they they look like U.S. Airway jets, which I don't even does I don't even know if U.S. Airways exists anymore. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I have less invested in the traveling for work and such like that. I don't <laughs> I, do much of it. I used I used to travel like two weeks a month, so I, I used to travel a whole lot for work. Right. So there, there's all sorts of like little things you're just like, hmm. <laughs> but I still never got to sit in business class, which is sad. But one day. Well, you feel like writers of like a, a show that's like shot in LA and stuff like that, like would maybe be a little bit more savvy with 
trips and stuff like that. But maybe that's just a generalization for writers. Well, most people aren't going to be like, hey, look, there's this thing of a fictional airline in the back of the sea. (laughs) You know, it's probably like somebody's friend was from like Butte, Montana. I was like, hey, we're (laughs) going to give a shout out to my bro that no one will ever notice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so where are we at? So we got Michael eventually is goes to a bar the night he arrives in mm-hmm. Winnipeg, yeah, right. and he runs into Marie Concierge Marie, um, and they're talking and drinking and they're you know shooting some ish about how she knows where you can get dry cleaning on New Year's Eve or something, right? Right. And then they bang, according yep. to this Office Wiki article. Oh, they they definitely hook up. Uh, I don't know. Like, what is it? Like, I I know it's a TV show and it doesn't have to follow the laws of normalcy, but like, Michael gets a lot of tail in this show, you know? Yeah, there's a there's a joke in Thirty Rock uh, where Tina Fey is the main character and Tracy Morgan's character calls her something of like a, you know, uh. Slut's the harsh word, but something like that. But because she's the main character, the humor comes from her not being able to get with people, right? But to make progress, she gets with people. So then he goes on to like list in this like fourth wall breaking moment all the people she's gotten with. And same thing applies here to Michael that like he ends up getting with a lot of people who are fairly attractive. Um, but the joke is always how he can never get with anybody, right? Right. We do have to recall that he was a virgin for 28 years. And then didn't have sex again for seven years or something like that. Right. So I think it's fair that he gets he gets what you know he does a little a little bedroom time I think. Right. Well, I'm not saying it's fair or not fair. I'm just. Just how? sounds like you're how? trying to take it away from him. How? How, how, to, how? Like how? How? <laughs> so the the sort of the B storyline here is that um, Pam is supposed to be coming back from art school soon, but she's failing. Uh, and she has to like take a class again for 12 weeks and she spouts like this nonsensical string of programs. Like Jim says, I thought you were good at flash. And she says something about quark. And then they, they changed acrobat. And I'm like, well, acrobats for PDF readers, but okay. <laughs> and I've never, I don't even know what quark is. Is that a Mac yeah. thing I, I don't know about because I'm, you know, PC forever? <laughs> I do think Quark is a thing, though I forget what it is. There was a hot minute where I knew about it. Um, I mean, Acrobat has some things. It's like the paid-for Acrobat reader version. So, you know, it can convert some files into certain things and maybe... Uh, I yeah, don't but know you're, you're not going to be making, like, movies in, in Acrobat. No, but I mean, like, maybe she's doing um, magazine layouts or something, and she's having trouble with page layout. I don't know. I don't know. I right now, but they, they, they went from Flash to Cork to Acrobat, and that doesn't seem like, a, like you know, Flash to Acrobat doesn't make any sense. Well, maybe she's just bad at a bunch of stuff, though. Maybe. I mean, because we know that she made the ending of the commercial mm-hmm. using who knows what. That's the big mystery, honestly. I mean, that that looks because like Flash she, to me. I mean, it would have to be, really, based on, you know, because we just imagine that she is a 
her education in art ended in high school. We don't know what she went to school for. And we didn't know what she went to college for. Right. Right. Volleyball. (laughs) Volleyball. And, um, and she seems to be adept at traditional art forms, paintings, drawing, that kind of thing. So it makes sense that the digital stuff is kind of outside of her wheelhouse of expertise. So it feels like she's just listing digital things that she doesn't get. Maybe. It just seemed weird to me. I don't know. I'm trying to see. Sometimes they put errors on this thing, but they do not list her listing of things as errors. So it must be right to someone. I'm sure, you know what, if you're listening to us from Reddit, let us know. You Reddit people are really good at sleuthing stuff out. So what the hell is Quirk? (laughs) What the hell is Quirk? (laughs) Uh, So another thing is in this scene, we see them talking on cell phones again. Mm -hmm. So what happened to the mini Bluetooths? Who probably died. I mean, she said she got it from like Chinatown or something. So maybe they went the highest quality. You know, it's fine. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, and, and sort of another like minor subplot is that this is the episode where Ryan and Kelly get back together. Mm-hmm. And it feels like Ryan's just trying to start shit with Daryl. But, you know, and he's like, when when he sends that text, he's like, hey, like, really? That's all he said? Yeah, isn't that great? Like, he yeah. didn't expect it to happen. Like, I, this is where Ryan just becomes really weird well because he seems to be attached to like the drama you know right right and kelly's always like fighting with him about stupid stuff and they're always fighting about getting married or having babies so i guess he was like looking forward to that drama and then when daryl's like that's cool then he's like well this is unfulfilling you know i think that's probably what it is mm-hmm. all right so if we flash back to the bar we, we we forgot to mention the uh michael going how you say all the time all the time, yeah. And uh, so Andy is trying to get Oscar laid. And he's like, beer me two Long Island iced teas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and we figure out that Andy's not getting laid, but Andy and Oscar get drunk together. And let's let's admit it, drunk Oscar is the best Oscar. Like, he's all happy and goofy <laughs> and silly. Yeah. <clears throat> and if you're not careful, LITs will light you up. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the the Oscar Andy bromance that is in this episode is kind of fun because it's a it's a duo that we don't really see, you know. Yeah. Uh, have you ever had a Texas tea? No. So it's instead of Coke, like you know, Long Island. Instead of Coke, you use a shot of Jack. Okay. <laughs> That's just more alcohol, right? <laughs> <laughs> They're strong. Yeah, I gotta be yeah, careful of those. <laughs> and so, but like, so we there is this really nice moment where drunk Oscar asks drunk Andy, "Why her?" Like, mm-hmm. I, I think we're all wondering this thing, right? Like, why this woman? And he's like, "Look, she makes me a better person," and all this other stuff. It's like, yeah. So you see, and you're just like, yeah, that really is nice, right? Right. You know, he does really love her, even right. though she doesn't deserve it. Yes, accurate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's when it's this evening. This is the same night where she, had, he, and Oscar ends up having Andy call Angela, right? Mm-hmm. 
leave with that voice message about why they don't bang or anything and Oscar's in the background giggling or whatever. Well, no, it's not a voicemail. Like, if you listen, you can hear Dwight ask, who, Monkey, who is that? Oh, because they pick up. That's right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's messed up. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> um, well, and then he doesn't remember until the following day, Andy, right? It's like, oh, I thought I dreamed that. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Um. So Michael secures the uh, the sale with the client. The whole purpose he's up there, right? Does a great job. Even though he was kicked out of the uh, concierge's hotel room and he has no shoes and he has to do that half walk of shame down the hallway only to turn around and get his shoes when she just like throws him out of the room. Um, you know, it's kind of like this nice mirrored thing compared to like this like genuine relationship he had with holly compared to like this kind of hollow bang session he had with the the canadian lady right right and this is something i brought up kind of er- earlier but like this is michael's sort of beginning of his downward spi- downward spiral in relationships mm-hmm. you know you know the next person he dates i think is um pam's mom and then he has the stuff with the, the married woman. Yeah. yeah. And so it's just like this downward spiral of just straight fuck it. You know, like, he, you know, he hit, he hit that point where he's just like, you know what? I've tried so hard and I've gotten nothing out of it. So I'm just going to stop trying. I mean, Pam's mom could have been a good thing. He kind of craps out because of the whole age thing. Now, to be fair, if it had been... Pam's first mom, he probably would have been okay with it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I the def, the actors they get as a second mom is definitely a little older, but it's probably because they hired her with this intention of the relationship that ends up happening between the two of them, you know, right, kind right, of play right. that up a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um let's see. So they get the sale. Yep. And then like Michael's talking to Wallace. And he's just like he just goes off on Wallace, like, "Why'd you do this? Why'd you do this? It was bad." I was like, "Oh, thanks for the concierge." Da, da, da. He just hangs up on Wallace, and like he, like you can tell, like he kind of feels good about himself a yeah. little bit that he uh, just like shut down Wallace, like "fuck you," you know? Right, and honestly, it's probably because of this. Um... You know, he has this tenure with the company or whatever, and he's been there so long. And technically, David Wallace hasn't been there as long, right? Right. So, so I think all this kind of culminates in Michael feeling like, okay, I have one shot at telling off my boss just because I'm angry. This is when I'm going to do it. Right. And, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, there are no repercussions for him after this, but it's, mm-hmm. it's a nice moment to see Michael stand up for himself in a way that he never really stands up for himself, you know? Right. It takes a lot of pushing for him to get there. Mm-hmm. Singing in the background, Jesus. My apartment is the worst place to report co- podcasts. Everybody, <laughs> just just so we know. But that's that's just for that's just between us and you. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. pretty. Like, and at the end of the episode, Pam like drops out of art school, comes back yep. to screen. So I mean, it's a good up, good ending to an okay episode. And there's just really not much there, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fun to see them outside of the office. 
it's um the how you say it's very funny in those ways <laughs> um you know again the pairing of oscar and andy is is kind of a fun thing and it's it's always nice to see when there's some type of illicit relationship like dwight and angela to see like that crossover where like they almost get found out but everybody's too stupid to realize it you know right right um, yeah so there's a lot of like edge of your seat moments but yeah overall it's like it's an episode that like not super memorable in that context but it's super satisfying when michael does that to david you know yeah that, I mean, that, that's the highlight episode where he just like just clicks it off on him like go go to hell wallace yeah that's right um so what yeah you- so yeah, if I had to rate it, mm-hmm. I think I'm probably going to end up giving it something like a 3.2 out of 5 geishas. <laughs> I'm actually pretty close on this one. Uh, I gave it a 3.1 out of 5 Astro Cleaners on St. James Place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's a fine episode. Yep. All right, well, that's, uh, uh, that, that's it for us. Uh you know it's a it's a it's a stretch episodes that are like so so mm-hmm. not bad not great you know they're, but they're we're, fine, we're so. getting into some better ones here soon because let's see next next time we start off with frame toby the surplus moroccan christmas and the duel and then we get an lecture circuit and then michael scott paper company like this this uh this episode not this episode this season really picks up in the back half mm-hmm and it's yeah. actually the longest season. Is it? Yeah, it's got 28 episodes. It's the hmm. longest season, so that's interesting. Is that considering splitting up uh, yes. weight loss? Yeah, yeah, weight loss and stress relief. Lecture circuit. Yeah. Oh, oh, stre- yeah. Stress relief, that's right. Right. Uh, stress, uh, le- lecture circuit was actually a two-parter. It wasn't an hour-long episode that gets split. Nice. But yeah, so there you go. Uh, you can find me uh, at Jacob Ingles on Twitter, uh, at Prairie Penguin on Instagram, which I don't use very much, but it's there. Uh, broken Jars at XYZ, Patreon.com forward slash Broken Jars, Reddit.com forward slash Broken Jars podcast, I think. Close. It's like R slash, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're all over the place. Come check us out. Hang out with us. Uh, yeah, and glad you came out. Sorry. The, look, we're all Office fans, and we all knew Season 5 is kind of a drag. So <laughs> we just got to say it since before we got to Season 3. I was like, <laughs> after Season 3, I'm checking out. This whole show's going to be terrible. That's what it is. And uh, it's not terrible, but it's not great. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> all right, so we will see you all next time. Bye. Bye.